0: kick arts with emma and Stephen, new zealand's comprehensive art show brought to you on planet fm 104.6 and streaming live around the globe thanks to our podcasts which you can download from planetaudio.org.nz each week we bring you a variety of interviews and music from across the arts world from theater to books events to exhibitions we've got it covered Tonight, we are off on an emotional journey with Pauline Grogan as we discuss her life and project known as Music Ignites My Soul. Plus, we're checking in with author Gloria Masters. We're chatting to Sophia about the Northern School of Performing Arts and their awards. Plus, we've got Shaz's book reviews live in the studio. Now, to kick off the show, here's that wonderful song from Disney's Tangled, I See the Light, this version, performed by Olivia Collinsworth, and Joseph O'Brien. Music from Disney's Tangled. Emma, have you ever seen that On stage?
1: Tangled? Yeah. It's not a stage it's not production not I don't think so okay. I, th- I think they do, it's one of those Disney ones I think that some of the theme parks Have um, ah,
0: yeah. Yeah, done their, you versions. Know, their versions
1: But I'm pretty sure It's not a musical ah, beautiful. A full stage
0: musical that is Beautiful song and that was Joseph O'Brien On the piano while it's going um, How's your week been?
1: It's actually not been theatre busy, it's been other things busy. Oh, you mean you
0: have a life outside theatre?
1: I do. I got to share it with one mind you my bestie is my theatre bestie yeah, as yeah. well. So it was kind of theatre. There was a few theatre people involved in the wedding, so no it was lovely.
0: nice, nice. Well I caught up with some theatre this week. So went to the Royal New Zealand Ballets. Giselle Giselle. Giselle Giselle. Absolutely stunning. Beautiful piece of theatre, well told, lovely dancing. Yeah, it was, it was something pretty special. My only comment would be some of the core cast in Act 1 obviously go home because they're not in Act 2, so you didn't get to applaud them. Aww. They didn't come on for the curtain call. So the curtain call is a very small group who just do Act 2, um, and all the kids and things in it aren't there. So I kind of, yeah, I really wanted to applaud them. Absolutely beautiful. And went to Company Theatre's Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Over at the Rose Centre To catch up with a few people I knew that was in that That was very well produced um, I mean it's, it's a long piece of theatre It's yeah. three acts yeah. And you've got to be ready for that Congratulations to a particular Amelia who played Maggie The amount of lines they have to learn It's a massive script um, But yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it Big shout out to Paul Norell who was the guest in that uh, Yeah, really enjoyed it Something different Very
1: different. Nice to see someone doing some, um, I was going to say traditional, you know, good old American realism.
0: And, hey, they played to full houses because I struggled to get tickets. It was, you know, I had to sort of look at the week and try and find a slot to get a seat. Oh, that's fantastic. And and that's awesome that we keep hearing that at the moment. Theatre in Auckland in particular is booming.
1: Oh, Lynn Webster was in it. She's always great to see in theatre. Yeah. No, big, m- big mama.
0: Big mama, yeah. You do get sick of big mama and big daddy words by the end of the show. Right. You're calling them that, uh, you forget how American that was. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, we've got some lovely people in the studio today. Good evening, everybody. Welcome, Sharon. We're going to catch up with some book reviews with you a little later in the show, but great to have you in here. Oh, good evening, big buddy. <laughs> big buddy? <laughs> you've got to do that with an American accent or it just sounds weird. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am
0: weird. <laughs> I and um, welcome to Pauline Grogan, whom we're going to have lots of conversations, Pauline, with you throughout tonight, but Thank great you. to have you here. Thank you. And I'm going to kick it off with Gloria, who is a published author, self-published author, if I am right.
3: Yes. Yes. Correct.
0: Um, tell us all about what you've been up to.
3: Okay, so I've written a book called On Angel's Wings: My Flight from Trauma to Grace, which covers off the first 16 years of my life and the horrendous abuse that I suffered at the hands of my father and friends and extended family. Um, basically trafficked to gangs, to groups across Auckland and made a lot of money out of me actually so it's now time to air the truth and help other people find their voices because this Mm. is very big in New Zealand.
0: How difficult was it to finally sit down and put pen to paper on such a personal story or did you hit a point in your life that actually that was the easy bit?
3: Yes, it's interesting. It was a bit of both, actually. It was it was quite, quite a relief to do that, and I'd done decades of work on myself to be able to get to that point. Um, but it was also quite traumatic having it come back to the forefront of my mind. But my purpose is actually to shine light on this so that other people... In New Zealand, apparently there's one in three people, adults, men and women, who have suffered some form of child sexual abuse. So it's really important that actually the light goes on this.
0: Hmm. You mentioned, you know, Gang involvement, and etc., and and look, mm-hmm. this is your call. To, I mean, I'm going to ask both you and Pauline. We've got a bit of an emotional ride tonight. I think Emma, to be as honest as you feel comfortable throughout tonight, mm-hmm. it's it's your story. But do you want to take us back and sort of paint that picture that's led to this? As At- far as is as, as the you mentioned gangs, the the journey that you've had. Yeah, what sort of things were you put through?
3: Well, I think the worst of it for me was between 11 and 12 and a half years of age. Uh, That's when my mother left with the rest of the girls and left me there with my father and older brother. And so as a result of that, um, there was no safety for me at all. And wherever, wherever I was, I was a target. So actually it became um, almost impossible to have a safe ear or any adult around me. Uh, and when I would go to my mother every second weekend, she didn't really want to know either. So what that meant was I was a nuisance there and I was just an object to my father, really. So yeah, no, nowhere was I welcome or made to feel I mattered at all. So it was was quite an experience, and I'm very grateful to be alive, actually. I didn't think I was going to make it at times.
0: At what point did safety happen? Did you hit an age that you escaped it yourself, or was there finally somebody who stepped in?
3: I think... For me, when I turned 16, I wasn't required legally to see my father. So it was at that point. Wow.
0: Yeah. Wow. And you've self-published this book? Yes. Can I ask why you went down the self-publishing? It feels like a story that needs to be told. Yes. Yeah, the reason is no one actually wanted
1: to publish this. What does that say? (laughs) They didn't want to publish it because of the content just or do you think it was too much for them or just they didn't think it would be interesting to read? I think to be honest it's an uncomfortable Mm -hmm. subject
3: and this is why it's such a big um,
1: pandemic in New Zealand. Mm. See isn't it interesting because there's all those trafficking programs um, and things for ov- what's happening overseas. Mm. Like it seems okay to talk about it when it's in a different country, doesn't it? But having it on our doorstep maybe is mm. something people don't want to admit. It's very confronting and uncomfortable, and
3: it's almost like not in my backyard. And I think for people, we all know someone who's suffered something mm. and the reality is if they manage to find their voices that takes so much courage and and bravery really because there's there's a lot of well there's three main reasons why people don't speak up uh, the main one I think is shame as a a child who suffers sexual abuse the shame is the biggest. Um, the biggest indicator the second is it's shrouded in secrecy because that's what the perpetrator needs and then silence is ensured so you've Mm. got those three components but I think shame, shame is
0: what keeps adults quiet isn't it sad in this day and age where we all talk about it not being okay and to speak up and get that help that there wasn't a publisher that went, actually, we'll be the brave one, we'll shine the light on this, we'll take the lead? No.
2: Hmm.
0: Self-publishing is not an easy journey. We've had a few authors on over the last year that yes. have sort of talked through how difficult that is. Who, who supported you in that process?
3: Oh, look, I had some wonderful friends uh, around me uh, people who believed in me and my story, and I've had a total of three editors. So, um, the last one, Isabelle, is in New Zealand and she's done a fantastic job. It's a big, big project, self publishing, um, but it was meant to be that way. So, I'm very proud of it, actually. I guess at least yep.
0: then you're in full control. Of the story, the message You haven't got the risk of anyone going Well let's edit or tweak or change that Which technically Would be changing your story Yeah, yeah, Very good Okay we're going to be unpacking that a lot Throughout tonight but we're excited To have you here and thank you for being so honest To share your story with us And hopefully there's some people listening That will be thinking about getting the book And we'll talk more about that a little later on In the show And Pauline, you've, you, you've also got a very personal and emotional journey. Um, if I'm correct, I could say you are or have been a celebrant, a teacher, a nun, an author, and a great friend to many people. So tell us my music ignites my soul. Take us back. This is a very special project that started a long time ago. Tell us how this journey began.
4: Well, it began when I was about 40 or 41 and I was spending a lot of time at the Taronga Hospital with my daughter who was very ill and I was asked to go and visit somebody who was in Ward 15 and I was very cross about this because I wasn't in any state to go and visit anybody in Ward 15 and the parent who asked me to go, um, she was quite adamant and the very next day I went for a walk and I found myself outside this ward and I thought oh that's where Jill told me the man was so I went in and asked and they said go straight through the ward turn left he's in the cubicle in the corner and as I walked through this then known geriatric ward I was so uncomfortable but I turned left and I was cross with having to be there and I pulled the curtain back and lying in the bed was this man who looked to be about 70. Mouth gaping, face twisted, obviously paralyzed. I got such a shock. I had never ever ever seen anybody so disabled. I quickly went up to the bed and I said I have to give you this message from Jill. She said to tell you whatever it was and then I said um my my little girl's very sick she's had a stroke I have to go now and he just lay there he just lay there looking at me and I was so uncomfortable and I started to back out of the cubicle and suddenly I had this overwhelming urge to kiss him but actually how do you kiss a man whose mouth is gaping he had no teeth And I was really uncertain and I moved forward and I touched him, kissed him on the forehead. And as I did, something happened. It was like a warmth, a fire, like, and I got a terrible shock and I backed out. And as I backed out, I realized the tears were running down my face and a nurse came in and she said, are you okay? And I said, that man, who is he? oh, she said, don't worry about James. He's been here for over 30 years. Wow. Well, I could not get him out of my mind. I told my husband about him that night and the children. We had four little people and every time my daughter was having therapy, I would go and sit beside him. And somehow I found courage to face what I was facing in my life. And he couldn't. He couldn't speak clearly like you and I can. He would, but every time I left him, and this happened over seventeen years, he would say, "I love you. I pray for you." And his story was that he was at Taronga Boys College, he was 14, and they went on board a ship on a field trip called the HMS Veronica. And that was the ship that actually told New Zealand about the Napier earthquake in 1931. And this child was wandering around and came across this room that said gun room, and he opened the door. And the story is that at that moment a sailor was being electrocuted and the little boy ran in, grabbed the sailor and was connected and, of Mm. course, couldn't break free. And it took them ages to find him. So when they did find him, he was permanently damaged. And his family were um, from the... uh, Tapuna Marae. his mother was from the Tiara tribe and his father was American and they had both died one in the flu epidemic of 1919 17 to 19 and one in 1929 so he was living on the Tapuna Murai and they kept him there until they could no longer manage him and he was 40 and they decided he would go into Tauranga Hospital where he lay for 44 years so over the period I knew him, I saw, I saw so much of elderly people in care just lying there. Mm. And we had four children and I'm a music teacher and they were all doing music and we would go and play for him and sing to him. And, and he loved music and he had a strong faith, Catholic faith. And he would sing the hymns and something deep was ignited in me. And before he died, I asked him if I could tell his story to the world. And he said, ah, ah. So that book I wrote was called A View From Within. And again, it's self-published, so I understand (laughs) about self-publishing. But my first book was um, Beyond the Veil. And in Beyond the Veil, of course, I talked about James and the impact that he had on our lives, And so the seed was planted and after he died, I put a press release in the paper in 2001 and said, is there anyone out there whose life was touched by the life of James Lynch? And over a hundred people wrote to me. So I published that book and then... One day, five years, four years later, completely out of the blue, the phone went and this woman, whose name was Lauren Hughes, and she ran this stamp program at the Aotea Centre. And she said, "Um, Pauline, um, we've got your two books here and Helen Clark is Minister of the Arts and she's given us funding to develop a New Zealand story and we thought we could turn your two books into a one-woman theatre play. And I said, well, actually, I think you've got the wrong number (laughs) because I don't know upstage from downstage, which I didn't. But they called me in for an interview and this woman leapt up and she said, it's Pauline. You taught me at St. Louis, at St. Pius X in Glen Innes in 1975. And that was the wonderful Margaret Mary Hollands. And she became my director and took me all over New Zealand telling the story of James. So that was my first foray into theatre. Okay.
0: And if I remember right, you played some Irish jigs and things with James. Is that right? There was some specific music he really enjoyed. That's right.
4: He loved um, the Irish music. Um, His father was uh, from America, but originally from Ireland. And my dad was born in Ireland, and all my family are Irish background. And uh, we, we used to have so much fun with the music. And I saw him come alive, and even though he was so so damaged in his body he could do nothing I mean nothing he could not scratch an itch anywhere on his body if a nurse came and left the window open and blowflies came in there was nothing he could do Mm -hmm. and I've watched this over 16 years and I saw what music did and each of my our children were learning different instruments and they would come and play for him and and he learnt from having other people there and he used to love what was it called the purple people eater <laughs> it was one of his favorite songs yeah. and all those beautiful memories that he had from when he was able-bodied you know and then the special people who came into his life so that was where the seed was planted and then with the play 500 Letters. So I think we did 54 shows around New Zealand over three years.
0: And where did 500 Letters come from?
4: Well, it was a, again one of those stories that broke my heart. He had been lying in this cubicle for 44 years, and outside the bedroom was this beautiful pahutakawa, and he would watch the seasons. And when I went to see him on this particular Easter Sunday, 2001, uh, he wasn't there. And I panicked. I said, where's James? Where's James? And they said, oh, we're downsizing. We're upgrading, whatever. And we've put him into this other room. And I went in and straight away, I knew he was sad. And uh, sticking out from under the bed was this old case, like a suitcase from 1958. And... I said, what's in there? And he said, open it. And there were 500 letters over, actually. And so when orderlies or nurses or doctors or children of um, people who knew him would leave the hospital, they'd write to him. And the nurses would pop the letter, um, just pin it onto the, the curtain because um, he just had a curtain, and then when it got old and faded, they just pop it into this case. Wow. And I went through these letters, and he learned about everything from other people's letters. And Margaret Mary Hollands as the director, uh, and the the producer Lauren, as they 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 made it come alive.
0: It's every theatre maker's dream, isn't it, Emma? You know, we 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 create stuff with with fake letters. Mm. Imagine the suitcase full.
4: Well, when it when it ended, it was it was so magical because um, all these letters fell from the ceiling when the show ended. Oh. It was a one-woman theatre play for an hour and I picked out these letters as they, I caught them as they came down and I remember one said, James our first child was born this week and we've named him James Timothy after you and others talked about their travels in Europe and there was a letter there from me from when I went to Ireland to, you know, go into my Irish Catholic history um, Yes, he touched my life so much.
0: Well and truly. All right, we have to take a music break, but um, we're going to catch up with someone after the break, and then I'm curious to talk to you more about the The music ignites my soul today Because what you've given us Is just the tip of the iceberg Of what's happening today So we'll chat more about that Um, Emma, we have Jeff Ong Back with a brand new track Called Turn the TV Off children listening in the room Uh, Penn during Aotearoa's 2020 lockdown, what was an overwhelming and stressful time for everybody, Jeff was no different finding himself struggling with the bombardment of information and the overwhelming feeling of anxiety and like many of us was forced into a period of reflection Here is his latest song Turn the TV Off
5: year will be better the virus or otherwise i never hope so hard for any single thing in my goddamn life can we change the subject so we're not talking about how i'm being defeated and just wanting to disengage for the 15th time maybe i just grew that hard in the first place maybe it's hard to hope that hard in the first place Care too much. Why is it easier to just tap out and board all the windows up? Can't pretend to know better. I'm full of shit myself, blind to my privilege, projecting all of my insecurities up. Maybe I just grew up a cynic. Maybe I was just born that away. Maybe I'm just throwing back and I go, I come. Maybe I never hoped that hard in the first place Maybe it's hard to hope that hard in the first place To hope that hard in the first place, but maybe that's why we should hope hard in the first place. I just
2: want something, <laughs> <and> something that <laughs> all feels like the world's hard. <laughs>
0: right oh, 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 oh. Don't wanna feel something, <laughs> feel <laughs> something that <laughs> all feels like the world's turn the TV off the latest from Jeff Ong fantastic Emma who have we got on the phone next in our wonderful food night I can't believe 30 minutes just went that fast I don't listen to fast. these two
1: forever Definitely well this is something a little bit different yeah. so we're being joined by Sophia who's sitting up on Fungalbroer coast at the moment who is from Northern School of Performing Arts and she's here to talk to us about the theatre Awards hey Sophia Kia ora, how are you? Good, good. Are you Great. sitting up there in the warmth of your cosy house uh-huh. and out of the rain?
6: I sure am. It's been horrendous today, hasn't it? Yes, just by the fire, relaxing, doing all my planning for next week. So, yes, it's all, all lovely and cosy. Thank you.
1: Beautiful. So, tell our listeners about what's happening later in the year with the second NSPA Theatre Awards.
6: Yeah, it is. It's really, really cool. So, yes, in July we're going. Um, we've got two days planned on the 30th and the 31st of July. We have our second year, as you mentioned, of the NSPA Theatre Awards, which is basically just a wonderful celebration of theatre where people can come along and compete and support each other um, in vocals, speech, and drama, musical theatre, and um, yeah, it's ranging from ages five. Up to twenty-one. And tell us how, how, and why did the theatre awards come about? Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, it actually came about. We've we've done musical theatre troops for a few years now, and we, we you know, we were competing with um, we were going to dance competitions, and although they were fantastic and really really enjoyable, some some things we placed in others. We didn't. And it it was quite tricky because we were competing against dancers or dance troops, rather, that were performing and doing a great job, but they were not singing Mm. And, and they were in a musical theater category. And I thought, well, hang on, you can't really compare the two because, you know, musical theater to me is when you're singing and dancing and you're acting all at the same time. And finding a competition that, you know, offers, you know, musical theater, as as a class if you like there's just none so we thought you know what let's create our own and last year we had our first one and it was fantastic emma i know you brought along a few of your amazing students and it was a real success it was small because not not too many knew about it but we've opened up the entries and we've got so many more which is fantastic still still trying to get the word out there a little bit more um but yeah i think it's it's really needed actually
1: and so it's not just for groups, of course, it's for individuals as well in the different age categories to come along and yeah, do their 100%. thing, yeah, and as absolutely. well as some speech, comp- some drama as well. Yeah,
6: that's right. So there's, there's a junior, intermediate, and a senior category in all. So there's Speech and drama, they could come along and do a mime. They could come along and um, one of the wonderful classes that I really like that unfortunately we couldn't run last year because we had no entries is you make up a story with five words. And I know, Emma, you teach students Trinity, so you'll know this one, but it's when the adjudicator will give the person competing five words and they just have to make up a story to incorporate all of those five words. It's great at thinking on the spot, improvisation, and um, yeah, so that's that's quite a cool a cool class. And um, yeah, so there's solos for speech and drama, for vocal, and for the vocal you can choose. You could do a ballad, a musical theatre piece in costume, or a musical theatre piece just dressed in your you know a beautiful dress, for example. And you can also do some duos and trios as well as our troops. So yeah, it's it's sort of it's covering a variety of things, which is great.
0: This, this also sounds really good for perhaps um, drama and dance groups that perhaps haven't normally entered the mainstream competitions, that this yeah. is a chance for them to give this a go.
6: Absolutely. And and one thing I found last year is, you know, some, some competitions are super supportive and it's really wonderful atmosphere and whatnot. Others, <laughs> it's, it, it is a bit tricky. You've got that quite competitive people
0: there let's just say it dance mums come on don't be afraid to say it
6: it (laughs) a little bit but with this it was it's really supportive and you've got people from other schools you know in the wings clapping cheering them on as they're as they're being um announced and it was it was a really special special environment so we're super keen to um to do that again this year and um who's adjudicating this year so we have Grant Mees adjudicating this year, which we're very excited about. Obviously, he's just finished directing the incredibly successful season of Jersey Boys, uh, and he comes comes along with so much, a wealth of knowledge and experience. So um, he's really excited, really, really excited to be adjudicating for us this year.
1: Cool. So how can people find out more about the Theatre Awards and look at registering?
6: So probably the best bet is on our Facebook page. So it's just the NSPA Theatre Awards Facebook page and it's got a link on there for an entry and just if you scroll down a little bit further, it's got um, an information pack which has got all the different classes they can enter, um, prices, who's going to be accompanying, all of that kind of stuff. It's got it all there.
1: Fantastic. So any teachers out there whether you be a studio, a private teacher, or even a school teacher and you've mm. got some kids in your class maybe yeah. that love music theatre, make sure you let them know about the NSPA Theatre Awards because they're definitely a great couple of days of celebration of musical theatre. Yeah,
6: yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on and, um, and telling everyone about this. It's great.
1: No worries, and I'll share the links as well over to the Kick Arts page so that people can have a look there. Yay, thank you so much. No worries. Perhaps
0: you could All get right. one of your winning groups to come and perform for us on kick-ups. Oh,
6: that, that would be a cool, really cool. Bring fantastic. them in. It
0: means you'll have to drive down and visit us.
6: <laughs> I do need to do that. I know,
0: <laughs> I need to do that. Fantastic. <laughs> All the so best much. with that. We'll give it a good plug on our social media.
6: Oh, wonderful. Take care. Thanks, you Sophia. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: I think it is great because, you know, I I do happen to have a dancer in the family and spend a lot of time at these dance competitions, and she's right. Some of those musical theatre ones, when they do actually sing, seem so different because all the others have just lip-synced to the music so Mm. it's really cool to hear that that's happening Mm.
1: well I think musical theater can stay in dance competitions but they need to make it clear it's musical theater Mm. dance not a musical theater category where they're singing and dancing
0: and because the other problem with the when you're trying to do it at dance is there's no microphones they don't have that gear set up to actually run that properly Mm. it's just music and it's loud Brilliant. Now, before we cut to that break, um, Pauline, you were telling us about the history of that's led up to this Music Ignites My Soul. But what I want to do is now is fast forward to the last couple of years and what is the program that's being delivered now, all as a result of your initial meeting with James? What's happening today?
4: Well, just very quickly, um, my very best friend had a stroke out of the blue and had been gone from us for four or five years. And this day I was desperate, desperate to talk to her, but I knew it wasn't possible. So I went down to watch the sunrise and it was it was extraordinary. I got caught up in its blinding light. And the next thing I knew I was dancing and singing on the beach. And I, I went to her and she was n- always non-responsive in the sense of what I had known with her. And the nurse said to me, you know, it's not a good day, perhaps you should go home. And I went to kiss her goodbye and suddenly I saw the rising sun that morning and I began to sing. Colleen oh Colleen let's do what we always did and she she responded and she stood up and she was shaking and she turned and she was trying to get a balance and of course uh, I, I didn't know what to do so I just kept singing and she started to keep with the beat and she was saying it's you it's you it's you and over the next short while I went home and I wrote uh, I had seen this thing, this thing advertised I'd never heard of, I'm sorry to, sorry to admit, called the Auckland Short and Sweet Festival. And it said, if you'd like to write a 10-minute write play, give it a go. And I thought, I'll write about our friendship and the power of music. Because after that, every time I sang to her, she responded. And it was so exciting. So I wrote this play, submitted it and it got accepted and for six nights uh, we performed it, I performed at Tarpag, realising of course I don't know much about theatre or anything but it came to the ears of the CEO of Age Concern New Zealand and she asked if I could get a um, DVD done of it so I went back to the theatre people and said um, have you got somebody who could video me doing it and I hired the tar for a morning and found a lighting guy and a sound guy and a, a videographer Lindsay and um, the video then I called it a spark within and that went um uh, down to Age Concern New Zealand and then I took it around to rest homes and talked to the managers and said we must have personalised music mm. for every person in care this is what I'm determined to do so that was where I was at when a year ago I had a stroke And then followed by another stroke and I knew it was impossible to keep doing it and I thought what can I do to get it out there Mm. and because I've been 55 years in the classroom I knew the young people are the ones I needed. So I rang Age Concern New Zealand, I rang Rotary, whom I've had a lot to do with, I rang Somerset New Zealand, whom I had wonderful stories of success with, and then I rang the Duke of Edinburgh and they accepted it as a part of their community service component of their um bronze, silver and gold award.
0: So does this mean if it's part of Duke, and Duke of Edinburgh, students are going into these retirement That's settings right. and helping create that playlist? Yes, absolutely. How brilliant is that? It's
4: so mm. it's, it's so easy, but it's so important. Mm. And and of course, what I found even with my own strokes, you could come and say, oh, listen to this music, it's lovely. That's not going to touch my soul. So um, Karen Ross, the director of, of the Duke of Ed New Zealand, I gave her names of people I'd worked with and we had Zoom meetings from, say, July through to the 5th of December when it was launched down in, um, I think you were there. I was, I there. was, yeah. yes. And um, so the pilot has begun and my dream is that every every school who does Duke of Ed will connect with Mm. a local uh, care center or rest home. And these beautiful relationships will occur. And I know how desperately the students need that relationship because they get very frightened Mm. when Nana or Granddad or, you know, is suddenly different.
0: Well, it's, it's a conversation, Emma, we should all get our children to be having with their grandparents too around music and, and what do they love. And, you know, it's not just about having a conversation of what would you like played at your funeral, but actually Absolutely. what is that magic playlist? What's yes. the music through the years that, yeah, gets that spark because you never know when you might need it. And well, it could yes. be as simple as yeah. sitting in a hospital room at a, at a tough time to be able to have the favourite songs playing in the background. I sure.
1: know that I sang from, you know, in the days that my mum was dying, mm. singing with her yeah. and mum had early onset and she was only 60 when she her dementia and Alzheimer's set in. She was 63 when she died. But um, she would spark up and try and sing along with me and it was the one time that she actually...
2: Yeah
1: acknowledged what was going on around her in those last few days. So, you know, it is super, super important. Mm.
4: Well, I found even with my stroke, when they came and told me what the um, outcome was, I, I pulled the blankets over my head and began to play... The Irish songs Danny Boy which is a big one in my own family and then some of the beautiful anthems that we sang as nuns all those years ago nobody can know unless we tell them mm. what music do you like if you became incapacitated suddenly does anybody know mm. what will spark you you know and I had my own music and that's why I'm sitting here today I'm sure
0: mm. because
4: it's in my soul and i I'm sure there's another book coming of stories of I responses. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And if anything's going to lift your spirits in Irish music, certainly will, to be sure. Um, thank you, Pauline. And we'll chat a little bit um, further, a little later in the show. And we've also got a special clip that we're going to play out tonight's show with because you had a wonderful man called Louis. Yes. Louis Bernstone, create a song for your project and yes. various people have put a piece together which celebrated this event so we're going to share that at the end of the show
4: wonderful
0: wonderful now gloria while we've we've been chatting i've been flipping through your your first couple of pages in the book and something caught my eye and he says trying to put his glasses on over his headphones that was a good look luckily we're not on television yeah. um And it says, Although this book reflects the childhood I had, it is written from my perspective only, and others may or may not remember it as I do. Whilst it's an honest account of my experiences, I am conscious that my siblings don't want me talking about what happened, and in fact, never have. Because of this, we have not had a relationship for over 20 years. I mean, I just read that, and that would take this book home. I just want to keep reading now. But that's really tough. So your siblings aren't supporting this journey? No, definitely not. Um, and Is that because it, it didn't happen to them, so they're therefore it's not a story, or because they don't want the family discussed in this way, or are they too frightened to tell their tale? I, th- I
3: think it's all of the above. Yeah. And remember that this stays hidden because of shame. And also because I had a different experience to them during those 18 months in particular uh, it's it was easier for them to turn me bad and make me the deluded one or the evil one or the liar um, black sheep etc so that's what happened and I think in my 30s, when I finally uh, spoke to them about what, what had really transpired, although initially they were supportive, that quickly changed when it became clear my mother did not want to support it or accept it or do anything with it. In fact, her initial response was, you have no right to discuss this with any of your siblings. Is she still alive? Yes, she is. And that's still her stance today? Absolutely. If she was sitting here now, I have no doubt whatsoever she would throw me under the bus, as she has all of my life. Wow. Yeah.
0: It takes a huge amount of courage then to tell a story like this. What would be your advice for somebody listening who has their own story to tell? first of all to
3: acknowledge how very brave you are to even consider speaking your truth and secondly to realize that the shame never belonged to you it always belonged to the
0: owners who are the perpetrators Hmm. what's your goal from this book is it for people to turn and look for help is it for perpetrators to get help what what's your personal goal from writing this yeah so
3: my personal goal
0: is to shine
3: light on this uh, so that other adult survivors can find the courage to speak out and hand the shame back
2: hmm.
3: because this it doesn 't have to be the horrendous sixteen years I went through it can be one incident actually. And it changes how you see the world and how you see people around you. And I really strongly feel if people had support and felt believed, they would be more likely to speak out. But we have to expose this. Mm. And the difficulty is, as Emma mentioned earlier, it is, it's really uncomfortable, Mm. actually. And people don't want to recognise that it happens here in good old New Zealand. But it happens, and it was only two weeks ago. A friend sent me a link that actually um, children in Catholic schools many years ago were being trafficked through high echelons of (laughs) the um, parish. So this is not new. Mm. It hasn't just begun it didn't begin with me. It's been going on for a long, long time.
0: I'm not sure of the stats now, but I know when I was delivering a family violence program many years ago, I think it, you know the, the average child reached out to 20 people they trusted before somebody listened. How many people did you reach out to during this journey? Yes, yeah, so I was born in
3: 1960. So in those days, it was the era of mind your own business mm, mm, the man is mm. the head of the house if the police were called to a scene at a family home they would check with the man of the house and if he said it's fine they would say okay good luck and walk Mom. away and although the nuns at school were very nice to me <laughs> no disrespectfully they were very nice to me they didn't know what people know now. And so I was the child that never wanted to go home. They would have to right. find me and evict me from the school grounds because it wasn't safe for me to go home. And, um, bless, they did their
0: best. Where now it. that would hopefully be more of a trigger to actually we need to look yeah. further into this. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um. The actual publishing side, yes. if we have a lot of authors that listen to this show, yes. so if somebody's listening who hasn't had much success perhaps with a publisher, um, talk us through how did you decide what goes in and what stays out, it's a good size book, it's not too big, it's not too small, it's a good read, what, what, how do you unpack what goes in and not?
3: Well I think it's you have to determine your your objective first um, and my objective was to discuss those 16 years so I've written this book seven times Wow <laughs> um, because I had other parts in there from a different editorial advice, uh, but really the focus needs to be those 16 years. So the second book will be around how I managed to get through all of it. Mm. But the first is just to disclose really what happened. And... It, look, it's a huge journey because you have to, you know, simple things like your ISBN number and um, who do you go to to create a cover and how do you have it so it doesn't look self-published and, yeah, yeah. and um, you know, all, all of those things, it's quite a journey.
0: Pauline, would you add anything to that? You've self-published your book as well. Any other tips or tricks?
4: I think the biggest thing is always who's the audience. Yeah, and that's a very hard one, very hard one to answer. And um, yes, I found it a challenge too with the James book, which was called A View from Within. It's in all the li- in the libraries, as is Beyond the Veil, but um, it's a totally different experience mm. compared to being published by Penguin. Yeah, you know. Um, Yes, but that was always the question, who is the audience? Mm.
0: Mm. And I wonder, it would be interesting to know if who you thought the audience was going to be is over time. Sharon, have you read this book? I'm putting you on the spot yet. Have you read On Angel's Wings? I have. Oh, can I be really tough in front of the author and say what did you think?
1: I said this before when
7: we were off air, Oh, actually. did you? Yeah. You did, Emma. You said that.
0: We've never made Sharon do a book review with the author in the room.
7: (laughs) No, they haven't, luckily. In fact, my other book reviews I've actually written out this time, so I give a good
2: book.
7: (laughs) Um, I'd met Gloria uh, about two weeks before the book was published and we had a couple of hours discussion, just a nice chit-chat at home about the book. Um, So I kind of knew a little bit about it. Once I got it, so she just got it from the publisher, from the um, printers, and, wow, yeah. It was really emotional. You said you read the first two pages, mm. and you had to, you want to go and carry on reading mm. it. It's, it. Yeah, it just binds you into it. You want to read it.
0: Because the and first y- couple of pages are just so honest. It's 100% I'm reading somebody's And do you know what, personal. selfishly?
7: I kept thinking, my God, I had a great childhood. Mm. Wow, wasn't I lucky?
0: But that's okay too, to, for people to recognise uh, that. In the, when we, we are dealing with people's traumatic, sometimes it's okay to go back and hug your own family and say, hey, we did this okay, but but our eyes are now open to the world. Hugely, and and to think
7: of a young young girl in that position mm. with your parents, I think that was the really hardest part for me, was to think that she was... On her own, hmm. going through all of that trauma, and now after all those years—sixty odd years—to actually put it in writing, hmm. what a brave girl! What a very brave person!
0: Who do you think? We always ask you. Yeah, this I question, know. Are you oh, going to ask book? me? <laughs>
7: yeah. Who do I? Th- I don't know I who the audience is. Okay. I hope it's pro- it's victims. Yeah. I hope it gives them a chance to read somebody else's story, and think that possibly they could talk to somebody and they not but somebody does care yeah
2: mm.
7: and for ones like me who thinks well i was really lucky
1: mm. um to look out and to be more aware of what is going on i think a big thing too for people to remember and i mean i know you see lots of it on social media and things the whole don't talk until you've walked a day in my shoes yeah. kind of thing you know and like you've said in your introduction you know these people at the conference that you were at saying that they were you showed no signs you know that this is what you had gone through in your external persona etc mm. how many other people are walking around having been this person you know or mm. are holding on to it this many years on yeah, or you know
0: unsafely shut it out mm. you know it's mm. just bubbling inside mm. Yeah. so
7: who is the audience like who o- do you other, think other
4: survivors
3: yeah. I'd like other survivors actually to feel they're not alone and that uh, their voice matters and that it's time to hold their heads up high and hand the
1: shame back I also wonder whether it's um the perpetrators as well like actually reading mm. what they've done and how the it, impact the impact because if they've if they've been someone that's been a part of this that hasn't actually thought about the consequences of or, their actions.
0: Or a perpetrator on a journey of trying to recover their life and, and mm. recovery sometimes to not necessarily hear their story but hear someone else and how it's impacted could, could help in that. I actually wonder too about the politicians and the decision makers need to be reading these stories to remind that it's not just about standing up and saying it's not okay and here's another ad campaign um here you've got a wonderful book that a publisher was too scared to publish i suspect so what does that say and who needs to be reading those Mm. oh it's a good powerful night tonight well we need to take a music break and after the music break emma and i need to share some bulletins from our inbox and we've got shaz's book reviews as well the ones that she has prepared i won't throw her under the bus on that one um here from the bbc is a wonderful Lay Ms. medley enjoy
8: to dream in time gone by. When hope was high and life was living. I dreamed that love would never die. I dreamed that God would be forgiving. And I Together. Yeah.
0: short sharp medley there courtesy of BBC One.
1: That's so funny I was expecting it to be so much longer being a medley from Les Mis. I know, And you know, it's it was quite cool. A lot shorter
0: um, On YouTube now, BBC One, if you subscribe they've got some amazing stuff that they're putting out. It's really worth it actually and short sharp clips from different shows, things that they bring on to their live shows. It's really cool Now, Emma, we've had a few things come through our inbox this week Yeah, crazy. Crazy, crazy times So, take it away. Oh, my goodness.
1: So, um, new exhibition, Moana Waiwai? Moana Pati, opening the 12th of June. It's a new group exhibition curated by Nigel Burrell, presents a diverse range of work from nine Pacific artists. And this is going to be from the 12th of June to the 25th of September. So, basically... It is from open seas to the shallow waters. And it's a fitting metaphor what has been an exceptional year worldwide. Yeah, for the artists, the COVID-19 lockdown brought about new opportunities to create and make. We've seen how adversity and innovation have gone hand in hand for many of them. And their work the work they have created is a testament to strength and creativity of artists. So this is on at Thai. To a Thai gallery, which is in Crangie Happy Road.
0: Brilliant. Now, we've heard that Heritage New Zealand has added the Hotel Titarangi. That was its former name. It's currently Te Uru Gallery and the Treasure House, is what it used to be, now to the New Zealand Heritage List as a Category 1 Historic Place. This is the highest category possible. We know it today as, of course, Lockdale House. Now, this listing formally recognised the special heritage values of this historic landmark in Titerangi, West Auckland, and the listing has been welcomed by the Lockdoor House Trust, who managed the complex and initially nominated it as a historic place to Heritage New Zealand. Uh, Jeff Wells, the Trust member, says it's been a long journey for the Trust to rescue and refurbish Hotel Titarangi, or Lockdoor House, and to oversee the design and construction of Te Uru Waitakere's contemporary gallery. Now, they are planning a special event, so you can head to... Stephen just went too fast with his remote there. Uh, to the Loctal House Trust and nz to be part of a special event coming up in the not so distant future.
1: Now, four seasons in one play. A classical music. Classical music fuses with contemporary theatre and a treat for the whole now. Now, this sounds pretty exciting. This is Tim Bray's Theatre Company in association mm. with the. APO and Unitech presents Vivaldi's four seasons, adapted for the stage by Tim himself, of course using the music of Vivaldi. So in Tim Bray's Theatre Company's thirtieth year, they have broadened their repertoire and dive have t- are diving deep into the world of classical music. Playing at the Pump House from the 3rd to the 17th of July, Vivaldi's Four Seasons is a magical meeting of classical music and physical theatre, which uses six final-year Unitech actors to create this piece, which, in the timbre style, has accessibility fun and is highly creative. This production offers children the chance to be mesmerised by the next generation of young musicians and actors as they take to the stage. So it's on at the Pump House, as I said, from July 3rd to the 17th. It runs for 45 minutes and is specifically for Ages 3 to 10. But obviously, that Mm. would be the children. One would expect their parents to be Mm. there too.
0: Sounds really cool. I know. What a cool event.
1: So jump onto timbray.org.nz to find out more.
0: Hot on the heels of the New Zealand International Comedy Festival, four local legends bring their best jokes to Sky City Theatre for two nights only on the 19th and 20th of June. It's called The Great Comedy Heist. For one weekend, four of our very best stand-ups, Brendan Lovegrove, Paul Ego, Justine Smith and Ben Early, are teaming up to steal some of your time for what is sure to be the year's most jam-packed night of laughs. The only thing these comedy titans have more than awards... Is their jokes? Head to iTicket for all the tickets. They're $45 Sky City Theatre on the 19th and 20th of June.
1: Now, there's a Matareki exhibition on the 10th of June happening at Studio One Toitū in Ponsonby. So go and check that out. It opens on the 10th of June, I should say. Um, yeah, so get along and check that out
0: brilliant. And the Haka Tāpuri a Stars of the Future are shining on stage for Matariki. part of the Auckland Live 2021 Matariki season. It's on at the Kiri Te Theatre at Aotea Centre 22nd of June at 7pm. It's a triple bill showcase, putting the spotlight on future stars of Māori performing arts um, here in Auckland. It's supported by Auckland Live, so head to their website or Facebook to find out more. Sorry for Your losses on 19th to the 21st of June at the Herald Theatre. Barrier Ninja is the second part of that, and then Otahi and Hard Case Hori Housie is taking place at the Kirikitikanoa Theatre and the Civic. Got all that, I hope. Hope you had your pen and paper ready, Sharon. Get that down and head to Auckland Live.
1: A Woman of Consequence Fierce Wahine tell the story of Lucy Takaro Lord So this is at Tipou from the 3rd to the 10th of July Kupapa A debut play by acclaimed actress Nicole Kawana Who is set to have its world premiere production So that's pretty exciting The production stars herself alongside Renee Tamati and who, of course, has been on our show before. Um, the rest of the team is rounded out with two accomplished wahine, acclaimed emerging director, Irina Daniels, and award-winning designer, Jane Hakarari. I'm sorry if I've pronounced those names wrong um so get along to T'Po theatre as part of the kohanga festival which aims to develop and prepare the fertile ground of Auckland's maori stories and storytellers and this is at T'Po from the 3rd of to the 10th of july with tickets available at iticket.co.nz
0: and over the last few weeks we've talked a lot about the comedy festival taking place. Well, the winners of the Billy T and Fred Awards have been announced. Congratulations to Brian Lee Stent, who won the Electric Kiwi Billy T Award for 2021. And Eli Mathewson took home the Fred Award for twenty twenty-one. Maria Williams, Best Newcomer in Auckland for Anxiety, the musical. And Best Newcomer in Wellington, Tess Sullivan, as Bobby Wood for If You my mum you'd understand <laughs> yeah, if
1: you met my mum you'd understand as well.
0: brilliant yeah. brilliant title so congratulations to those award winners if you have something to share with us make sure you email us at kickarts1 at com. come on the show talk about it or we can give you a buzz if you're in a different part of the country or give you a bulletin as well that's kickarts1 at com.
1: and if you're Bulletins include a lot of Tereo. Stephen and I need to work
0: on ours. Yes, that's a good excuse for us to get practicing. Now, Sharon, you've been busy Mm -hmm. reading, so what books are you talking to us about tonight? Tonight, we're going
7: to talk about Red Wolves by Adam Hamdy and The Secret Path by Karen Swan.
0: All right, Red Wolves, what was that all about? It
7: was an amazing cliffhanger there, a great thriller. It goes from a Cairo prison escape. an assassin who kills with a single touch to the skin. A drug war and a killer toxin heading for unsuspecting world. What a great thriller. You know I like thrillers. <laughs> it had everything going for it. It gripped me from the beginning. Uh, the story introduces you into the world, the drug world and the destruction of humanity if the killer toxin reaches the streets. Actually, this was the second uh, series which involved uh, Scott Pearce and his team. Um, Didn't read the first one, but I tell you what, Adam integrates the previous story and characters and just brings it and it just flows through. So it didn't matter that I hadn't read the first one. Um, You certainly didn't feel that you were missing out. Great reading, great writing. It was up there for me. Uh, It definitely met my expectations
0: but who's it going to appeal to yes
7: would it, well who would it appeal to so i've written this out here Stephen, for you probably a mature audience there's some very chilling parts if it was to become a novel or a movie uh, sorry not a novel a movie i'd suggest it would be an r16
0: Ooh, Okay. mature audience mature audiences only i think so i think that's the first rating sharon's ever given us emma
1: <laughs> i'm becoming professional emma well, we normally ask her who it's suitable for. So yeah, rating, yeah, but I suppose yeah. M, no, M nice. I did. I put. I did,
7: I've Look, I've got, did this book meet your high expectations? Yes, it did. Would I recommend it? Absolutely. Who is your reading audience? So yes, qualified on all of that. Absolutely great read. Nice.
0: Nicely Anybody done. Anybody who
7: likes a thriller, easy reading, good, and it had substance, good substance to it.
0: Excellent. And your second book
7: tonight? The second one is *The Secret Path* by Karen Swan. Um, so this was a thrilling romantic story. It goes from a privileged lifestyle of Tara, who becomes a doctor and tries to immerse herself in life away from the family. Oh, she's got a lover. She takes him on holiday, but she runs into her ex love of a life botanist Alex Um, it was a really nice story actually it takes them into Costa Rica Um, her family has uh, decided to buy or gift the land back to the people so it's a real struggle of indigenous peoples and yeah nice I think nice story Uh, would I recommend it? absolutely I liked it it was a really easy read it's probably a general audience, so anybody could really read it. It was just a nice romantic love story, really. Cute.
0: Cool. It was cute. And what are you reading at the moment?
7: Um, what am I reading at the moment? <laughs> I'm just looking to my right. <laughs> Not getting much help. Um, it's good. I started it the other day.
0: I can't remember. That's okay. That's all right. We'll look forward uh, to it. But to I hearing have
7: on Angel's Wings, which I can thoroughly recommend.
0: Have you read Pauline's books as well? Just to really throw you tonight.
7: No, no. I've read all of Pauline's books. I read the first one, goodness me, a long, long time ago now, and James's story, which I found intriguing. I mean, anybody that would have to lie there for all those years not being able to talk, Mm. um, and, and in a hospital, in a yeah, in a ward, how very, very sad, but Great reads. Brilliant. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Sharon, as always.
7: Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> um, Pauline and Gloria, I sort of want to talk about the where to from here as we come to, towards the end part of our show. So, Pauline, where to from here for your project? You, you, We did the pilot just before Christmas. What's the next plan?
4: Well, the pilot was for six months, and the Age Concern conference is at the end of September, 1st of October. And to my knowledge, the My Music Ignites My Soul will go nationwide through Age Concern, Duke of ward uh, Hillary Award. Um, and I just want everybody to start having this conversation. Mm. Um, we just have to think about all these. People who are lying in care and they haven't got the music that's kept them going through the years and given them courage and hope and tenacity. And it's and the young people want to be involved. The young people have all the skills. They've got all the digital skills. Mm. But more important, the young people have got the passion and they they so many through the years have said to me, I don't like going to where my nano or granddad is I don't like going there I don't like the changes And the music can do it I've seen it mm. And when the audience hear the song That's been composed by Louis Bernstone uh, They will see that it's together It's connected by the music So ask each other in mm. your homes what music do you like? Have you written it down somewhere mm. just in case
0: and you mentioned the young people I mean just from a technology point of view, they could set those devices up so that they can play non stop and set the playlists up exactly. all that th- those bits and pieces that That's not right. everyone can quickly And it hasn't do.
4: been done as i 've gone yeah. around the, the the North island um, time and time again, the carers who are beautiful people and hard working I've said, look, can you just push play hmm. once you've finished with my friend? Yeah, and yeah. they've said, well, it's not on my job description. Oh. Now, these are good people, but yep. it's, it's not a part of the conversation, and that's what I want for New Zealand. If it's
0: part of the moving into a village or a care yes. centre day one, so part of this yes. process, onboarding, yes. what's your playlist? What device can we have? Exactly. Are you happy for us to run this needs to be just from that and that's what
4: this amazing Mm. manager at Somerset in Hobsonville did she said I'm going to have a question on the um, application form saying name six songs that your loved one liked Mm. and I've got so many stories of their responses Mm. but nobody would know unless we talk about it
0: A few years ago, a project I was lucky enough to work with called Capturing the Tales went into a retirement village with a group of teenagers. And through drama, we asked all these retired people to tell us the stories they've never told their children or grandchildren. And then we created a piece of theatre with our teenagers and them together together and performed it back to their families. That's
4: what and we need. It was
0: hilarious. That's I mean, you had the need. serious tales in there as yes, well yes. and some pretty heart-wrenching stuff, but also just the, the naughtiness. Yes. And these grandkids' eyes lighting up, discovering that, you know, grandma and granddad first met through the back entrance of a cinema in Wellington and yes. just gorgeous stories. Yeah. yeah. We, we've got to keep asking. We've got to keep well, finding we've just out. We've
4: got, got to make it welcoming for yeah. young people to go into these kids
0: homes mm. pauline emma has a question that she often asks our audience and we haven't got enough time tonight to unpack your full journey because there's so much more to pauline and check out her website because that gives you a really good indication
4: it's just being changed but oh, yes it oh, is, there, it is there.
0: But, yes. but the question is if you could go back and tell your 16 year old self something knowing what you know now what would you say, So if you could sit your 16-year-old self down, what would you say to her?
4: I would say to her, "Don't try to please people in authority. Listen to your heart, follow your intuition. It took me many years to do that, and now, as coming up 76, it's so freeing to be able to say no." that doesn't sit well with me.
0: Hmm.
4: Follow your heart.
0: Nice, nice. As a
4: reminder. It's Pauline's birthday next week.
0: <laughs> Pauline's birthday next week. On
7: the yes, it is on the sixth of June.
0: Excellent, thank she you. Cheers. <laughs> and Gloria, where you know we focused, I guess, tonight on your book and your past, but can you tell us a little bit about who you are today? What What do you do today?
3: So. Uh,
0: Currently, I work as
3: a change manager for Hamilton City Council. Oh. Um, My um, objective is to actually make the work of this book my work. So my purpose in life is to
0: actually... A change manager. That's a great title. What do you do? I'm a change manager. What sort of things does that... Encompass? So that's uh,
3: an organisation may get me in because they're relocating people to a new building, um, or it may be that they're implementing a new software solution and uh, people have to adapt to that. So,
0: yeah. All sorts. And we've talked a little bit about the second book. Mm hmm. How far along that journey are you?
3: It's all in my head, she said. <laughs> um, but yes, it's all there ready to happen. I just need to um, find some time to to get that down. Um, but I do write blogs regularly, so I've got a, a website, com, and people can go and subscribe for free to read those. Um, and they're regularly updated, so I do a bit of writing in there. Um, I've got a an interview next. Uh, my interview with Sunday Star Times is being published next weekend, and I'm on the AM show TV3 at
0: the end of June. Awesome! So great. Yeah. And the book is available where?
4: GloriaMasters dot com.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And we should have said, Pauline, what's your website if people are going to look I you just up? Just
4: put Pauline Grogan in.
0: And Google, and it'll mm. It sure does. <laughs> the magic Google. And Emma, we've mentioned tonight. Off, off here. If anything we've talked about tonight has triggered anything for anybody listening, we'll pop up on our social media some good sites.
1: So I've got one site that I'm putting up that links you into a whole heap of people that are there to listen and help.
0: That is fantastic. Gloria, do you find there are certain agencies now that, that, you know, you obviously wished you were around back in your day? Are there agencies that you're referring people to that are doing good work?
3: Yeah, I think the help agency is fantastic. Um, they're very aware of what's going on. I think uh, Lifeline is another good one. Um, and, yeah, the uh, variety of others, but they're the two that
0: come to mind. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. I lost my train of thought there. I had a question and it vanished. I could see
1: it. You were it starting was, to yeah, matter you know, and s- it suddenly just
0: s- out your brain. Started off. I oh, just lost it there. Um, Pauline, for My Music Ignites My Soul, talk us through the song and the video that has been created that we're going to share in a few minutes' time.
4: Well... When I was turning 70, I was facing some challenges, and I used to go down to the Long Bay Beach every day to watch the sunrise, and over a period of years, two or three years, I got 15 songs of life, which virtually covered much of my life, and I presented those at the Pump House on my 70th birthday, and... um, now I've forgotten the question. What was it? It's linked.
0: <laughs> the, the video that we're, right. we're going to play, the audio right. from there. So
4: at that point <laughs> I met Louis Bernstone and I said to him, could he record um, the songs, which he did, and a wonderful friendship developed from that. And it's continued and um, I've now recorded my own songs for my grandchildren only. Um, and so Louis... Um, offered to compose a song with his band for the Launch of my music ignites my soul, and it's so generous, so loving, so powerful, so discerning. I have such gratitude toward Louis and also to Lindsay Benbrook, who do, did all the um, videography and all the videoing of, of everything I've done um, since I did a spark within that set the whole thing going. But of course. Without James Lynch, it wouldn't have happened. So my life now is focused on getting music to every person lying in care, their own personalised playlist. Brilliant. And I acknowledge Age Concern New Zealand, um, the Duke of Edinburgh slash Hilary Award New Zealand, Rotary New Zealand, and Somerset are the people I've worked with so far.
0: That's fantastic. And the video... um, which we're going to play the audio track from, includes some speeches that were part of your yes. big launch. Yeah, yes. so that's pretty special.
4: Very special.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your story with us tonight. We hope it will become a nationwide program. It will. And all our listeners need to think right now, who are the three or four people in your life you need to make that playlist for tomorrow and start having that conversation. Thank you. And Gloria, thank you so much for been so open and honest and sharing your tale both of you i feel we could have had a whole show dedicated to you we've just sort of tip of the iceberg but then get the book people can read it find out more from gloriamasters.com fantastic we wish you well emma what's your week looking like
1: Good question. Now, well, we've got opening night of Encore Theatre Collective's Seussical happening down at the ASB Theatre on Friday. So that's a very exciting weekend for them. And um, other than that, rehearsals for Into the Woods, which tickets are on sale at Harlequin now for Into the Woods, Um, what
0: else? And I'm off to Christchurch for a very busy dance weekend for all the National Dance Awards taking place down there next weekend. So thousands of dancers descending on Christchurch. Let's hope the weather improves because they've got themselves in a bit of a state of emergency today. Poor dance mums. I mean,
1: yeah. wonderful dance mums.
0: And the odd dance dad. I'll be there rocking it out. Well, thanks so much for listening. If you want to get in touch, email us at kickarts1 at com. Thank you to our fabulous guests, Pauline, Gloria and Sharon in the studio tonight. Have an amazing week. We're going to go out now with a bit of My Music Ignites My Soul. Make sure you kick some arts.
5: We can sing together I am the Chief Executive of Age Concern New Zealand and it is our absolute privilege to be a partner in this program. This program started for us about two two or so years ago and there was a star in the sky. That star is Pauline. She came
0: to us and she told a story about a spark within, about connecting music to people's lives. And it was just so powerful. So I stand here today, part of a connected group, wanting to take this spark, music, the music of our lives, everywhere. We don't
5: go throughout the world without music. This is so important. We can be connected by the music.
4: Five years after your stroke, I ached to talk to you but knew it wasn't possible. Instead, I drove to the beach to watch the sun rise. It was breathtaking. Caught up in its blinding light, I began to sing a song of you. I sang and danced madly on the beach. After lunch, I drove to the rest home to visit. I tried to rouse you told you stories of the family oh Colleen oh Colleen let's do what we always did we'll dance and sing and have a fling and do the Irish jig you jumped up unsteady slowly turned and peered into my face with your index and middle fingers you pointed to my eyes it's you it's you what to do. I kept singing. The minute I stopped singing, you looked lost. Slowly sat down and put your head on your hands at the table. Staff were crying when I kissed you goodbye.
5: I can hear our friendship in the songs we've sung and we'll sing again.
4: One Sunday morning during lockdown, the sun was shining, we were just sitting there, and my phone rang, and it was pulling, and she said, I've run up to talk to you about this program, and we just connected, and it just happened, and you know, to use that sort of metaphor, that spark, that sort of little thing ignited, and we talked about how this might happen, and uh, this is where we are today, and it's got together a whole range of people who didn't know each other who've all got a common purpose and a common world for something great to happen. And I think that's indicative of what the programme or how we hope it will go to. So there's a poem that says, oh Mary Oliver, what are you going to do with your one wild, precious life? And this
5: this programme is about wild, precious lives. It's around recording
8: stories. It's around reading music that we all celebrate and use to remember.
6: Young and old. Hi, my name is Gabriella and I would love to take this unique opportunity to bring back memories of your past, whether it was when you moved countries or when you had your first child or when you got married. I would love for you to remember those times through the music.